Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. All right, let's get going. We have a lot of stuff on the table here to talk about. We're going to begin with the conservative convention. Before I introduce my guests, why don't we hear again from Michelle Rempel, who was laying it out today and really delving into a couple of things. The conservatives announced their immigration plan and also had to deal with a lot of these bombs that have been thrown by Maxine Bernier. We're going to get to that uh, in the middle of our discussion, but I'd like to welcome Bill Hutchinson, journalism professor at Seneca, of course, former broadcaster CTV. Nice to see you again, Bill. Nice to see you. John Raz, a former liberal war room director and a political commentator. John, nice to see you again. Always a pleasure. All right. Why don't we begin? I'll start with you, John. The conservative convention. He, here we are as Canadians seeing a little bit of the playbook of conservatives, and we've seen it this week from the liberals. It is the focus right now on immigration. They've released their immigration plan, and there is a sense they get they've got to get it just right. What do you make of that? Well, first of all, I don't think that they released any sort of policy platform today at all. What they said was, "We're thinking." It was a plan. We're thinking about immigration, and we're going to go listen to the people, which sounds a lot like mm-hmm. Trudeau's populism. So, fair mm-hmm. enough. I would also add. Somebody asked me the question, what would bring together the Conservative Party at this convention? And my answer would be uh, Mr. Scheer's departure from the party would bring together the Conservative Party. And why? Why do you think well, he's he, the he, dividing he, factor he here? He could suck the life out of a circus clown. I can't remember a single thing this guy has said. I do remember what Rempel says anytime Bernier opens his mm-hmm. mouth. And the one thing that I, I sort of remember about Scheer over the last two weeks saying is... I'm breaking every communications rule, talking about Bernier and saying Bernier doesn't represent the views of the Conservative Party, and yet he's still sitting there in caucus. And, and, and of course, some of the minor headlines today, he has this massive uh, sort of ground support. The bottom line is that when Scheer was elected, I don't think Conservatives believed that Trudeau could be beat. I believe he he can be now. Mm -hmm. And they're looking at the guy that they picked who was a filler a placeholder, and and they might be rethinking their leadership. And then what they were, no, you're absolutely right. And now, you know, we're hearing from the Peter McKay's of the world. I know he's still involved, but uh, there is a vulnerability there. Bill, do you agree? I mean, you know, Andrew Shear. I, I don't know if I agree with with John. I think Andrew Shear sometimes steady and boring. Stephen Harper was now lighting the world on fire, and he was prime minister for for some time. Um, where do I start? First of all, I do agree that it wasn't much of a policy in terms of immigration that they released. It was more of a statement. And, and if that's going to be the way their platform rolls out, then... And what's the difference between that and what the liberals have said? Because some people are confused well, that the liberals have laid out in terms not, of immigration. Mm-hmm. They've talked about uh, ramping up immigration to the levels of three hundred fifty to 400,000 by 2020. And they haven't given any numbers in the conservative uh, plan. Under Harper, it was about 250,000. Under Chrétien, it was about 230,000, 240,000 a year that they would let in. The conservatives avoided making any kind of numbers, any kind of statement. They simply said, well, we want to encourage immigrants to become more self-sufficient and work hard and, and you know, it was very, very bland and, and no substance I know, to but it. don't you think that they do some polling on that? Isn't that maybe where Canadians No, I think Canadians they're afraid. Want. They're afraid to make a statement. And that's where Scheer has a problem with Bernier because Bernier is making these statements. And some of the statements that he's making are actually 
resonating with some Canadians. Now, Bernier is not doing it because he wants to resonate with Canadians. He's doing it because he wants to be the leader, and he's undermining Scheer. And this is the biggest test of Scheer's leadership is how do you rein in Maxime Bernier and still not uh, allow this issue to, uh, to be used by as a wedge issue by the, by the Liberals? And that's exactly what they're doing. But it is an issue, John, isn't it? I mean, you know, this we're watching this prime minister talk about immigration, and he's talking a lot about diversity, and we know what happened in Quebec but Canadians are concerned about what is happening. They have two feelings. Yes, they're open. We all know that. On the other hand, they are concerned as they watch what is happening in the borders. It is unusual. We're not used to this. We're, you know, um, we're surrounded by water. We're not used to people coming over the border that way. Yeah, it, 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 it's, a, it's a new phenomenon. I think things have gotten better in Canada uh, since I was born uh, with respect to tolerance and diversity and multi And yes, I think, but, but I don't think, when I drift around Toronto or I was up north last week or I was in Quebec the other day, when I, I don't hear people talking about this in coffee shops and water cooks. A lot of sensationalism. It is being used as a wedge issue. There's lots of fear-mongering going on. Mm-hmm. I do think Canadians want a process of immigration where we know who's coming in. And we're worried, of course, that people who are running away from the United States may be running away not because they're worried about Trump, but because they're worried about getting caught. But there are two issues here. Mm-hmm. Immigration is one, and the levels of immigration are one. The illegal crossings at the border are, are a totally separate issue. They're not all immigrate. That's not immigration to a lot of Canadians. They look at that and they say, this is costing us a couple hundred million dollars. We like our immigration system the way it is. It was well run. We were letting in. Uh, significantly more than most other countries. We, in fact, have one of the most liberal, and I, I use that term, not small L, not, small not, L. not big L, but we have one of the, the most uh, welcoming immigration policies in the world, far more than the U.S. does. And so Canadians are saying, look, we're fine with the immigration levels that we had. This Ill- illegal border crossing is a separate issue, and you're allowing uh, uh, a lot of people to walk across the border illegally, and it's costing us hundreds of millions of dollars. And when they, they start to raise that, Trudeau starts putting the two together and say, well, you're against immigrants, you're racist, you're, you're anti-immigrant. And that's not the same thing. And, and I think that's what people are talking about. They are upset about the illegal border crossings. They're not necessarily upset about the immigration levels. I John, think, is that a risk for the prime minister? Sure it is. And, but, and with, or, but with or without his sanction, when people hear the word immigration right now, what they're thinking about is those illegal immigrants. Only because... You can call them refugees too, but Only right now because the liberals have tried to conflate the two because they want to make, brand people as, as anti-immigrant and racist, and it's not the same thing. Uh, just as just as Mr. Bernier is speaking to his base, which are m- wary of some kinds of immigrants, and there's a lot of subtext in there that's pretty ugly, I suspect. Uh, Trudeau, of course, is worried, all politics are local, about his base, who tend to be the new Canadians uh, that... Uh, ironically, ironically... And it's not all the new of, Canadians are not all supportive of that. A lot of the mm-hmm. people who are immigrants to this country, yeah. who have built a life here, who came in through the legal channels, are the most outraged by this. these people walking across the border and... and of course, because accepted. they lined up for years, made exactly. applications, had to uh, submit so themselves to... So if that's the base he's talking endless, to, yeah. it's, not, it's not resonating with them. It's a complicated issue, and, and, and obviously this, this, this horrible human being in Quebec, of course, didn't make it any easier with that exchange 
President Trudeau. No, and but did the Prime Minister, I mean, he was under the gun. It's been analyzed as well. I'm just wondering, is there a sense within the Liberal Party, I had this discussion with some people earlier, do the Liberals understand that things are different? I mean, look at how successful Justin Trudeau has been with that brand. But we have economic stuff on the horizon. And, you know, I think I agree that Canadians are open about immigration, but they do have questions about what's happening on the border, and they don't appreciate, perhaps, being called racist. Is there not another way to do it? Probably. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by different. I mean, I I live here in Toronto. Uh, according to the UN, the third most multicultural city in the world, mm-hmm. and according to the UN, the most functionally integrated city in the world, and, and I'm, I'm happy to be raising my son here. And... of the time it works. There have been exceptions, of course. Um, I think Justin Trudeau, uh, and I I rarely say anything nice about him uh, because I don't actually think he's a liberal. I think he's a social democrat. (laughs) is actually right in his epistemology and his view around this, which is to say you don't get to judge people just because of their point of origin or their color. Yeah, but that's not what's happening here, Bill, is it? Yeah, it's not about The woman was asking, Bill, yeah, woman about, was asking about the cost. Mm-hmm. She was saying, well, why? Where, where's the $149 million that, that Quebec says uh, it's costing us? Where's that money? And all he said was, you're a racist. Well, no, he dismissed it was a right away out of he did. No, no, he answered he answered several questions first and then finally he said you sound like a racist and he did. He didn't and the money question is a good one. Having said that, we Why just, didn't he just answer the the money question to her? Why didn't he have give her a straight answer instead of just dismissing her as a racist? Well, that's a good question and I'm not sure who wrote his talking points that day. Maybe. But if it would have been you, it wouldn't have happened. See. All right, we're going to take a we're going to take take a break, and we will return. We're going to talk about NAFTA. Christian Freeland, I've never sound heard her sound so happy in a long time. And then we're going to talk about Doug Ford, and yes, in the United States of America, what is happening as well. Bill Hutchinson and John Raz joining me in the studio. And Counterpoint continues right after this. I'm Arlene Bonin in this evening for Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. I never thought I'd say that. First of all, I'm Arlene Bonin in for Alex Pearson. Counterpoint continues, and we have Bill Hutchinson in the studio and John Mraz. But I never thought I'd say this, John and Bill, but I'm happy to talk about NAFTA. Is there something wrong with me? Maybe. It's an exciting, I said, sexy topic. No, it is. It is now because Christy Freeland sounds a little happier. Here's the news that she delivered today. What we've agreed with the U.S. and Mexico is once the work on those bilateral issues is done, then Canada is looking forward to joining the negotiation and a swift conclusion of the NAFTA negotiations. Swift and if joining the conversation, of course, what she's talking about, Bill, is we were left out of the conversation. You all, know, I reading, heard, all I heard there was a sound effect of a washing machine spin cycle. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. She sounded hopeful. I think she had some word that we were getting invited to the party. It appeared oh we were left we're out getting, of the party. We're getting invited now. We were invited at the outset to do bilateral mm-hmm. negotiations with the U.S. And, and the government said, oh, no, it has to be trilateral. We can't do this without Well, Mexico, Mexico asked that, though, too. And then... And, and when Mexico was given yeah. the opportunity, they went ahead with their bilateral agreements. And Canada was not the issue. When, when Trump first started talking about renegotiating NAFTA, Canada was not the issue. It was always Mexico. Mm-hmm. We have now become the problem. 
because he's got he's getting an agreement with Mexico. They've they've worked out some details, and now he's turning on Canada, and he's going to look at Canada, and, and he's already come up with a whole bunch of things that he, that he's going to demand that that weren't on the table initially. And we we have bungled this uh, from the outset. You think we bungled it? Then I do. Yes. In what I, way? I don't, Asking for okay. too many progressive first things. First of all, or? yeah. First of all, uh, instead of going into a trade negotiation, talking about trade, mm-hmm. they went in saying we're going to teach uh, the United States how to be morally superior, like we are. I know. I get it. But they're not bringing that up. They're bringing up supply management. Yes, they're bringing it up now, mm-hmm. and that's always been an issue, and that's something mm-hmm. that we, we should be talking about. We had to give way when we uh, we negotiated the Trans-Pacific Partnership. We gave about 3.5% of, of the supply-side management. We had to give way a little bit uh, in terms of dealing with Europe. We allowed them mm-hmm. to bring to import some uh, to import some cheese to, to Canada, uh, which satisfied them. We should be talking about that. That is a... a, a an anachronistic, a socialist system that was brought in by Pierre Trudeau, Justin's father, back in 1972, supposedly to protect all of the dairy farmers when there were 150,000 dairy farmers at the time, and now we're down to about 9,000. So we should be talking about that. It's it's to a, Maxime Bernier again on supply management. I just want to see if John agrees. You know, there was a sense, John, all the country came together. We realized this was a very difficult president, and there was a great bipartisan effort to do this NAFTA deal. And now, as Bill said, we're, you know, we're being left out. Is it, should Trudeau wear this? Or are we maybe being used as a scapegoat here? See, I disagree with Bill on this one, 1,000%. Donald Trump changes his mind like Taylor Swift changes her outfits in a show. (laughs) I mean, uh, we have no idea. I don't think he has any idea, I mean, what he's going to say tomorrow. He has great reactionary instincts when it comes to changing the channel, when he wants mm-hmm. to get off the Mueller investigation or any of the other embarrassing mm-hmm. plights that he currently suffers. And he does know that the way to get elected is through people's pocketbooks and their financial security. And so he speaks to his base in mm-hmm. the Rust Belt, which were the states that ultimately carried him to the presidency, and says, I'm going to talk aluminum, I'm going to talk steel, I'm going to talk auto sector, I'm going to talk lumber. Uh, I'm delighted. Christian Freeland, who I've sort of been watching first as a journalist in Ukraine in the 90s, I've actually never seen her that happy before either. She she didn't even sound cautiously optimistic. She sounded legitimately optimistic. I would also add we have, through NAFTA, engaged in all of our administrations with bilateral in, in bilateral negotiations with the United States, and it was never an issue. And, in fact, Mexico was always the third-rate player here. And Donald Trump is, no matter what, cagey, and he is doing a divide-and-conquer I don't think anyone could know uh, how to negotiate effectively. I'm not saying Trudeau and his people have been perfect at this. Uh, he certainly has made some mm-hmm. communications errors, et cetera. Bradley should have said nothing at the end of the summit in Quebec instead of saying anything mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gave Trump a reason, you know, to his usual incendiary rhetoric. And, and he gave Trump a day off from the Mueller investigation thereby. So I have no idea. These are very complicated negotiations. I don't know what's actually happened to our economy. That the, the effect, as Bill, Bill and I do agree on this, it'll take years to know what the actual effect economically in terms of jobs will be. And what a, a completed NAFTA negotiation looks like under Trump, I don't know. But as long as Trump is in that negotiation mm-hmm. on behalf of America, he has something to talk about that will suit your votes, and he's walking into the midterms. And so he I, may I want will, somebody's head on a stick. I will and shoot. it should not have been us. It should not have been Canada. And how do you think we, we should have avoided it? And I'm just talking in a nonpartisan way here because, I, you know, is it possible? We have people like Brian Mulroney on that, doing that negotiation. And 
who knows? However, what I will agree with you is that was opposition parties do. And of course, the conservatives, that is their job to say, here's how we think we could have done it better. Are Canadians listening? Or, or let's face it, if the NAFTA deal doesn't come through, there will be Canadians listening. will pay attention yes, if, if NAFTA will. falls through oh, yeah. and, and those tariffs go in on, on autos and, and our economy suffers, mm-hmm. which it will uh, under the, those sort of tariffs. Uh, I think that, yes, Trump is very difficult to deal with. He is very unpredictable. But you 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 know have to learn how to handle him. You have to be, who handle handles him though. You've got to be able to go in and deal with it strictly on on trade issues. Don't go in and, and tell him we're going to teach you how to be more morally superior. I agree with you, but I was surprised he never said anything about it. He's never yeah. You once don't think that didn't get under his skin? And you, and you think when they when they embarrassed him it. with the with the the comment about the War of eighteen twelve that they leaked to the CNN? You think that didn't bother him? All those silly little things that they did just to you know to provoke him because they were playing to their own base. You're dealing with a guy who takes that personally mm-hmm. and is going to come back at you on that sort of stuff. The Apparently during the negotiations, and this is from one of the Canadian negotiators, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the G7, Trump was willing to take off uh, the um, uh, the sunset clause from the table. He actually surprised his own negotiators. Mm-hmm. Said, no, we can, mm-hmm. we can pull that he back. He got him in a weird moment. Yeah. He'll take so anything off. <laughs> instead of coming out after yeah. the G7 and saying, we got a major concession, we are well on the way to, yeah. to, to an agreement here, Trudeau came out and said, we won't be bullied by this man. Well, you know what? You've just needled him again, and and that's not the way you handle that sort of situation. On, on the other hand, aren't Canadians sensitive to this? And, you know, remember when Brian Mooney was prime minister, it was, you're too cozy with the United States. Come on, have They're a little bit of guts. They're our biggest trading partner. They're our longtime ally. Why and don't we treat realize them? that. Why don't we? we treat them like allies? Why don't we treat them like our, our trading partner instead of going in there saying, we're going to show you how we're better? Is this going to come back in any way? If Christian Freeland's buoyancy today is a sign that this is going to go through, is this going to resonate with Canadians or they just want a deal? I think they just want to keep their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, a deal equals keep your jobs. I would add, Bill, I I suspect they're somewhere in between your position and mine, but I I am loath to encourage... I'm sure there are a few positions between (laughs) yours and mine. I am loath (laughs) to encourage... Justin Trudeau to become an appeasement surrender. No, I'm either. not because saying Because I remember appease. a guy no, named I'm not, Chamberlain. I am not saying appeased. sort of said nothing about and, a little guy named Adolf from Austria. you're now comparing Trump to Hitler, which is, is unfair as well. I don't as think it is Trump, anymore. As bad as Trump is, you know, that's that's an unfair comparison. No, we're not. I'm not saying appeasement. I'm saying deal with him uh, as, as an adult and, and not don't take cheap shots at him. Don't go in and say we're morally we're going to teach you how to deal with women's rights and indigenous rights. And I know you know what I gotta be honest with you. I was a bit. I, I thought Trudeau was too nice to him in the first place. He was going and we were getting reporting going. You and I have got a lot in common. They didn't think I was going to do it. He was taking pot shots at the media, and I thought, wow, if it gets a good deal, I guess it's okay. But he was he was uh, really but slapping him on at the, the back outset there. of the NAFTA that we're going to go in and talk about these moral oh, yeah. issues instead of saying. This is about trade. And that's and connected we're try with and maybe get, some of yeah. the problems this prime minister has now yeah, running for re-election. Now Trump doesn't look at him as, as a serious negotiator. Well, I, I, I think Justin Trudeau, uh, Phil, I mean, it's the, it's the old metaphor of the, the scorpion and the frog. Justin Trudeau should have gone into these negotiations mm-hmm. knowing that as the frog, the scorpion's yeah. on his back. And the scorpion will always behave like a scorpion. Donald Trump, I, I, he, I, Justin actually seemed genuinely surprised when Donald Trump changed the yeah. message, changed the tactics. Justin hadn't done anything really wrong or offensive yet, became very tough because 
he wanted to prove to his base while he was under attack on Mueller. Perhaps he, he should have read The Art of the Deal, Trump's book. You would know yeah. how he's going to deal. I would wish that hell on anyone. But you read <laughs> that, you know where but you know where his mind's at, and you know how he's going into negotiations. So what does it mean? I mean he's eating yeah. filet of fish sandwiches. That's where his mind's at. All right. Thank you, John Raz, <laughs> former, liberal, fish. Okay. former <laughs> liberal war room director. I will never forget you said that, Bill Hutchinson, political commentator. I'm just quoting I've John I've never Raz. heard those words put together in a string before. This is the first, Bill Hutchinson. Journalism professor, yay, those students at Seneca, former broadcaster at CTV. I'm Arlene Bynum for Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.